Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Dare Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Kayla, can you open us up in prayer? Yes, I can. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just welcome you into our midst, God, and we thank you for being among us, God, and thank you for being a good God and for allowing us to gather together today and study your Word, God. We ask that you keep our listeners and our partners, God, and that you sharpen and you quicken their mind, God, and so they're able to hear you clearly, God, and understand what you're saying to them, God. And we just thank you. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. And welcome, everybody. Um, we are glad you can join us as we continue our study of First Corinthians. So this morning we're in chapter 7. And can I get a volunteer to read the first 11 verses, please? I will. All right, Layla. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is not good for a man to touch a woman. Oh. No? It is good it for says a man. It, is, it good. is good for a man not to touch a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. Let's, let's, let's get read what's there. Yes. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. Okay, so, as is our custom here, the floor is yours to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you, and to ask any questions that you have, okay? Okay. All right. Do I want to go first? You can go ahead. You got it, sir. Okay. Let's show me verse. Uh, let's start with ten. Now to the mar- I com- Now to the married I command. Yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. The lesson that like with yesterday how we're talking how we're talking about the construction paper. How the Lord's talking about what the reason he said this is not just 
to keep you inside of a box is to keep you from reaching the bad that's the evil that's at the doorstep knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason the Lord was saying this is because when you divorce a person, you end up ripping, well, not ripping, some of the residue from the other person is on you. So he's saying that if you marry, you should be marrying the same person so that you're not left empty. So you're saying, like, take the construction paper and put it back together? If you tore it apart <laughs> before, put it back yes, together? Yes, but, but also not to try to put it with another construction paper. Okay. To lose more. Or just to leave the construction paper as B. <laughs> okay. I I love how you can visualize with the construction paper. Yes, keep applying arts and crafts. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Lord certainly is working on you in that. So mm-hmm. the, the the one part I think that you were saying that I just want to remind everybody in when we talked about that is that that residue means that part of you is left behind and you're no longer one hundred percent. And I think that's what you were is that what you were referencing there, promise? Yes. Yeah, so you, you end up being less of a person every time you do that. Mm-hmm. And if if we can, for just a second, I want to go just a little bit deeper and maybe pose a concept that's not um, widely considered, but you four have heard it before. Um, when When God is talking to us about our spouses, who picks our spouse? The Lord he does. That's right. Oftentimes, divorce occurs because we pick our own spouse. And God wants us to wait for him and let him choose. Adam did not pick his wife. God did. Neither did Isaac. That's right. And so there is grace here in the scripture when it talks about the marriage bed being undefiled. If you take a spouse to you, there's grace to you. As in, when you do that, God is not judging you or feeling harshly towards you when you engage in a a marriage covenant with that person, but it's not the spouse that God chose for you. Or sometimes it could be, but it may not be. So letting God pick your spouse is the starting point. That's the starting place for this, okay? And oftentimes, because we join and gather things for ourselves, now we create this, this muddled thing that has to be straightened out. You guys remember that? Yes. Okay, so we're starting with God picks our spouse. God picked the spouse. God picked the spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, you guys. And also, the Lord showed me verse 3 to verse 5 where it says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Lewis was, show, was showing me that when he said the husband that does not have authority of his own over his own body, it's not like let's give an example, mommy and dad. It's not like mommy's moving dad like a puppet and dad's moving mom, mommy like a puppet. <laughs> oh man, you sure? Yes. Okay. But it's <laughs> but it's also when he said that it's not just doing doing stuff by yourself like that just randomly. Let's see. You can't just really, do what you want? Yes, you have to. Dad goes by to mom and says, 
hey, is this all right? And mommy does the same thing to dad, not just runs off and dad's, and dad comes in, hey, where's mommy? Yes. You've seen that in practice, right? We discuss yes. everything. Everything together. And, well, yes, of course, we first check with the Lord first, but then we still run it by each other. Why? There's safety in that. For us, individually, but then also, and because that's my helpmate and vice versa, right? Yes. But also because we, or Scripture says, the two shall become one flesh. So we should be in agreement, yeah? Yes. My, my feet can't be doing something or trying to go in the opposite direction of where the rest of my body is headed, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, that, would, that would create some issues real quick within your own body, yeah? Yes. Okay. So, or, or if part of the body decided to shut down, that would create some other issues and not participate in the process and what's happening, what's required, right? Yes. Okay. So in the same way, there's got to be, I'll say, checks and balances, but there's got to be communication so that the body is functioning together. All right. If the two become one, then everybody's got to be in the loop, whether it is uh, kept abreast or aware of what's happening. And why, and, and all the, the thought process and everything else behind it. First and foremost, sharing what the Lord's saying in the moment, yeah? Yes. And, and why is that? What's already built in? Personal accountability. Accountability and the opportunity for the other person to hear from the Lord for themselves and be in alignment or maybe you heard incorrectly, and they get to share and, I'll say, reproof and admonish you for you to come back into alignment. Does that make sense? Yes. So there's safety in that. Well, just um, sometimes I think that, just, and we have to be really careful, but it's not what the Scripture says, but what it doesn't say sometimes as well, too. And I think here's a good place to look at that. So... If the wife doesn't have authority and the husband doesn't have authority, where is authority coming from? From the Lord. There we go. I'm so glad you brought that up. So that's where I was going next. Yeah. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that was your segue. Well, praise the Lord. He's good. I love how he speaks to all of us. There's proof right there. So, Paul brought up this interesting point in the last chapter. All right? At the end of the last chapter. Right before he... Now segues into marriage. And he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Yes. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What did Jesus say in Matthew 19? All right, he goes right back to Genesis and the prophetic word given through Adam. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave us, uh, Gen- oh, sorry, Matthew 19 starts in verse 5. This is part of the answer he's given when being tested by the Pharisees. It says, from the beginning, he made the man and female, and then for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Then, 
He continues. Because, of course, he was being tested by the Pharisees who were in, in this trying to have their own way. And he says, hey, but Moses said we could give a certificate of divorce. You know, call it good. <laughs> right? Essentially, that's paraphrasing. Right? That's, but that's essentially what they were saying. And then Jesus says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. The beginning being Adam and Eve, who literally Jesus had just spoken about. So, with the divorce piece, why do divorces happen? This may be a little bit above where you guys are, under, excuse me, understanding-wise. But we, we already have kind of discussed it, right? Why is it that your mother and I discuss everything? It, it eliminates and solves or mitigates the opportunity for conflict, one. But then two, it provides the opportunity for us to be on the same page or in agreement, walking together. How can two walk together unless they agree? So if we're walking together and we're in agreement, then we can't say, oh, well, you're to blame. And then strife and dissension and all these other things arise as a result of that. Right? No one's operating in a vacuum. We are operating in accordance with how the Lord is leading each of us. So if we, each of us, being our first submitted to the Lord, and then also to each other, knowing that our bodies are not our own, right, but that we, buffet, we each buffet our flesh to bring it into subjection and submission of first will of the Lord, then as a result of that, we can love each other with all the love of Christ. And, require, and do what he requires for each of us, to, or that's the point of the Holy Spirit, to minister to each one their needs. So I can do that with all the love of God, working in and through me, right? Yes. Because I can say what the Lord is saying to say. I can do what the Lord is asking me to do in that moment. First, because of my love for the Lord, but then also the love I have for the spouse that he has given me who he has blessed me with, your mother, right? Yes. And then it transcends, if you will, boundaries to each of you and to all of, I'll say, to everyone in the world, right? Yes. That's how we're to love each other or love people, right? Everyone in the world is, is God's people, is his creation. He said, love your neighbor, not just the believers, not just the Christians. Love your neighbor, as yourself. First, because I love the Lord. So I want to be obedient to Him. I want to be pleasing to Him. But then also, if we go back to what you pointed out, honey, with our spouses, if we let the Lord pick our spouse, he already, who already knows what we want and what we need and what we like and all the other things that are involved, we'll be pleased, we'll be satisfied. But we find each of us, everyone, when we try to find our own, what we think satisfies us in the moment, we're often, actually always, left disappointed. We may be able to tolerate some things more than others, but ultimately, it ends up, many times, more often than not, leading to divorce. But if the Lord put us together, why would we tear that apart? And if we are tearing it apart through divorce, 
Is it not first because we haven't come to, uh, to submit ourselves to the Lord and then to our spouse? Which is why what Jesus said was so profound. It's always profound because it comes from the Lord, right? Yes. But he says it's because of your hardness of heart or your unbelief. And with unbelief is a breaking of faith, which is, an unwill- which is disobedience, which is an unwilling to, to submit to the Lord or a choice to be in opposition towards Him. And you often find with marriages that end in divorce, all those elements are at play, are at work. So, as Paul says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's the first thing. But then let's choose to walk in, in obedience. And we can walk in obedience because we first love the Lord. Does that make sense? Yes. Any questions on any of that? No. Yes. <laughs> oh, please ask away, brother. <clears throat> so, um, we could probably talk about this for hours. Um, but there's a component of this, um, you know, that I think it, uh, at some level needs to be addressed. Speaking from someone who's been divorced three times. So, what are you saying about me, John? Or Kamisha? Kamisha, you were saying, what are you saying about me? Well, I would ask you the question. Did you pick your spouse or did the Lord pick your spouse? Um. Certainly twice I did, and we have to be sensitive because, you know, yeah, yeah. To, obviously we can't discuss. And in fairness, um, you know, you're only, it, whatever level we discuss this, you're only hearing one side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so, and I'm not asking you questions to condemn you, brother. No, I no, I, I, I didn't think you, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> tee you up to something, but there are certainly people listening. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in the United States, we know the divorce rate among Christians and non-Christians is at least 50%. Mm-hmm. So 50%, you know, every other person that you run into that's married is going to have been married before uh, or divorced. So, I mean, so this is something that has to be discussed. I've fallen that statistic myself. Yeah. I, I'm As divorced and, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my wife, mm-hmm. um, we were both previously divorced and uh, the one, then the Lord brought us together. So uh, I, I asked you right. about your, your thing, right? But I know in my case, in my situation, I had picked my own spouse. Mm-hmm. But then as we were discussing or I was stating, here in our discussion, when it came to marriage, with my, I'll say, pre, in my previous marriage, we didn't communicate in the same way that my lovely honey, honey, and I do. Now, we didn't run everything by each other. We very much, both of us, acted independently of, of each other, whether it was work or whatever the case was. And every time that that happens, it's chipping away at the fabric and the foundation, at trust and all the rest of it. And, and the Lord knows everything that took place. Right? I'm not here to, to, to beat anyone. It, it is what it is, right? And ultimately, the Lord brought me out of that situation. I didn't re- recognize it at the time, but it was not a great environment and situation to be in, and the Lord delivered me out of that. And he had to do that by tearing it apart. Now, there were things that went on, and um, I'm not in violation here, right? It was Paul says, uh, well, if there's divorce except for, the, except for sexual immorality, then adultery has happened, right? So uh, I'm clean before the Lord, <laughs> right? But there's also the other aspect of all the, the individual actions do chip away, right? We talked earlier about every 
for every discussion. That's an opportunity for each person to be in alignment, in agreement. By not being in that alignment, it has to first happen with the Lord, but then also with each other. All right, moving as one, with one voice, with one mind. You see that throughout Scripture, and not as it pertains to marriage. Right, that was uh, in Acts 1 and 2. That was the, um, after Jesus had ascended, they were waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And they were all in prayer with one mind and one voice and one accord. That's, that's how the marriage is supposed to work. And if there is disagreement, it's not my job to, um, I'll say, force my, my will or, or my uh, whatever it is, thought process on to my spouse. That's the Lord's child. And so and I, we joke around all the time. We're like, I'm telling the Lord on you, right? Because, and and we, we literally say that out loud. But in, in that, there's safety. Why? Because there's a built-in, I'll say, it forces us to check ourselves, to examine ourselves and go, are we in op- just being in opposition? Or, or what is the Lord saying about this? But then also, it's a recognition of, it's not my job to convince you. That's between you and the Lord, as, as in my wife or myself and the Lord, Right? But also, who knows more how to communicate with their child than our Heavenly Father? Can I jump in there for just a second, honey? Thank you. Okay, so it's not just about agreement because let's look back at what God created in the garden. First was subjection to Him, right? Yes. And then He put them together based on what you said, making them suitable for their purpose. When Adam and Eve were all one, he said he created male and female, and they were, but all we could see was Adam. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a helper comparable to him to carry out the purpose that he already gave him. So in starting with letting God pick your spouse, he knows who's going to be suitable to join with you for the purpose that he created you to carry out. Right? Does that make sense? So you're going to be matched and put in a place that you can fulfill what God wants for you. And, you know, as you were saying, we're supposed to yield to the Lord, but not necessarily yield to our spouses. We're supposed to prefer them as in from a place of humility and love. But what if the spouse is handing you that same that piece of fruit that God said, don't eat? Was Adam supposed to yield and go, "Okay, well, we'll join together in sin and we're just going to sin together? No. Ananias and Sapphira. Were we supposed to sin before God? We're agreeing to sin and lie to the Holy Spirit. We agreed on that. But is that the agreement that God wants? No. The purpose was to tend and keep the garden, to enforce the word that God has given to you. So I'm going to give you a spouse that's equipped and able to help keep you on that path. Mm -hmm. So when you fall down, they can pick you back up and restore you to the path and the plan that God has for you. Absolutely. So in... In order for that happen, for that to happen, each one of those spouses, the husband and his wife, the wife and her husband, both have to be individually committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and listening and functioning in their role before Jesus Christ first and then bringing that into their marriage covenant. Mm-hmm. And the wholeness, you remember he said, don't, don't, take, don't stand in the path of, sinners when we were reading in psalms chapter one and then proverbs four don't take this course because it takes away your wholeness don't engage in these immoralities because it breaks apart your wholeness and you're not sound and whole to come together and enforce what god said great example is job right 
Job, after um, experiencing all this tragedy, right, is then instructed by his wife to curse God and die. And what was Job's response? You speak as a foolish woman. You speak as one of the foolish women, right? There's admonishment in there saying, no, 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 come back into alignment. Like the Lord provides good, and right? So you see that same thing that you're talking about in, in, in life, but in marriage, being fulfilled in that moment, even though Job was in the midst of both he and his wife, I'm not excluding the wife, but Job, in addition to experiencing all the loss and tragedy, was also struck in dealing with boils and sores and, and everything else. So he was also in, in physical pain as well as emotional and, you could say, mental anguish over everything that had happened, right? Yes. And he still, even in, in spite of all those natural physical things, he still submitted to the Lord and admonishing or encouraging his wife to remain, to continue her walk fully, faithfulness to the Lord. And so we are not, God didn't ask us to exalt any kind of relationship, any person, place, or thing to a place that it supersedes him. He's God and he reigns supreme and we are supposed to be submitted directly under him and then joined together with the spouse that he chose because he knows who's going to be able to help us carry out the purpose and the plan. That's why our heart should be tender to wait for him and not get impatient. That's also the hardness of heart that he was talking about. You're not willing to wait and listen. Mm -hmm. And you're, God gave us a natural inclination to marry. He put that on the inside of us. It, it happens without our purposeful seeking it out in the, in the manner of puberty. Our bodies naturally become awake to finish the plan of refilling the earth, replenishing it, and subduing it and populating it with other human beings that we're supposed to make disciples to the Father and to Jesus Christ with. Um, so it, it comes about, but it was always made to be submitted to him, always made to be in that, that role in that place. So then we're not, we're yielding to the Lord and we're preferring our spouse, meaning walking together in love and in grace and restoring each other and being the first line of defense and reconciliation. Hey, sweetheart, you know, this is what I hear God saying. And I know that he said, don't eat this fruit. So I don't want you to eat it. I'm going to put my hand out and be there to go. No, don't, don't do that because God said, no, Jesus, come help us and calling out to God. That's what Eve was given to Adam to do. That's what woman was given to man to do. Not to go here, take this fruit and sin and, and curse God and die or any of those things. Let's, let's trick the Holy Spirit. So, also in that, our heart and being tender towards the Lord to know that he wants good for us. And we don't need to put our hand out and take for ourselves what we desire. So when your physical body starts to mature through puberty, what do you do with that? Paul calls it self-control. Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 also discusses, you know, some to be when, um, will you read that for me? Yeah, that some of them, some of us have our own gift from the Lord. Right. Um, hold on, let me find it. So you want me to start from nine? Where he talks about divorce and then goes into... Yeah, just, you can finish out that whole thing. Okay, so... First 12. So in verse eight, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, that's Jesus, 
Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And then his disciples said, If this is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But Jesus said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So, for us that don't fall into the we were born eunuchs or made eunuchs by someone else like that served in the king's palace or things of that nature to watch over the women that were assigned without violating them. To those of us, it says, if you can handle it, handle it, which means if you can operate in that level of self-control, control yourself. It's better to wait for God to bring the spouse that he has designed for you than for you to take one for yourself and then go, God, work it out. Oftentimes, and especially in American culture, we want it right now. The, the microwave mentality, and you can see it, and they didn't, they're no different. They didn't have a microwave per se, but they still wanted it right now. That's why they weren't willing to wait and to go the path that God had for them. But ultimately, it comes down to, are you, can you restrain yourself enough to let God make his choice for you? Or will you be impatient and go around him and get something for yourself and take the gamble, see how it works out? Right? Yes. yes. So God ordained marriage. And Ecclesiastes 4 says this. Um, this is verses 11 and 12. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can they be, uh, be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So that, that scripture is talking about giving, having help. Right? God knew this before anybody else. That's why he made Adam and Eve to help each other, and then the threefold cord, that's God being on top of them to make it strong. Now, even though God gives you the right ingredients, you still have a role to play. So even though God called my husband and myself together, what's our role now to keep us together? Because I could be a contentious woman. I could go, God, I'm, I'm going to throw off that restraint, and I'm going to become contentious and tear my home apart with my hands. But no, I have to choose to remain yielded to the Lord, mm -hmm. and I have to continue to walk in preferring my husband, which is just walking in love, which is what God told us to do. But exactly. also maintaining my stand with Christ so that when anything comes to try to knock us off our, our course with him, I'm prepared to do my part and go, no, but God said this. To guard against it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. From wherever it comes from. That's right. Even and if it's us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Uh, examine ourselves mm -hmm. and and you see the same pattern throughout right we were talking in in matthew was where much of this came from but then let's also recall how did jesus send out the disciples in teams of two oh, not individually not independent of each other no no so you see the same pattern throughout i'm not saying the lord can't send one person right because you also see that in acts where philip was just told hey go down this road and he had to he first had to be submitted to the Lord and choose to be obedient. Mm -hmm. But many times, he was sent, they were sent out in twos, especially mm -hmm. under Christ's ministry. They hadn't yet flourished. They had to be submitted to the Lord and leading of his Holy Spirit. And 
they were also there to help each other. Yeah? Yes. To help each other with their walk and the ministry and doing and saying the things the Lord had called them to do and to say. So, which is, I think, another reason why Paul writes, marriage is like Christ in the church. Because you see, that's even how he has chosen to allow his body, which we are, right, his temple, operate and function. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Well, I just, um, we, we always have to, carefully scrutinize ourselves Mm -hmm. um, and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate in us uh, the sin, uh, the incorrect thoughts, the uh, habits, the patterns, uh, the unrighteous thinking that we may not even be aware of. Um, But we also uh, need to be reminded of his grace and his sovereignty. Absolutely. So uh, so you are where you are. uh, Accept it. Accept his grace that has dealt with that. And accept a sovereignty that in spite of you and the decisions you've made, you have not usurped his plan for your life. Uh, you're not uh, tainted material. Um, you're not um, unholy or unworthy. Mm-hmm. You still stand in the fullness of all the blessings right. of a joint heir Amen. and a child of God mm-hmm. and, a, and a brother with Christ. Mm-hmm. It doesn't diminish his deity it doesn't uh, diminish God's sovereignty, um, and we don't take that casually, but we um, are blessed that we can accept that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just do the best that we can to move forward in listening to Holy mm-hmm. Spirit as he guides mm-hmm. us into whatever the next chapter of our lives are. Amen. That's right. And, you know, it's it's good to know that we have God's grace. And I, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And there's nothing that... God looks at it and goes, oh, sorry, you're just wasted and, you know, you're not good enough anymore. He's not like that. And there's in our life on the earth, there's two parts. There's a God part and then there's our part. And God's part is always offering that grace and that mercy to us. Always his blood is ever ready to cover us and restore us. And, you know, he's already laid that out for us. And sometimes, oh, well, not sometimes, but the, the part that helps us to move forward to accept that grace and to now get our feet on the path and walking forward confidently is just simply to go back. Okay, God, what was my role? You know, how did, how did I allow this to come into my life? So that way it's not like it's something outside of my power, my control, or, you know what I mean? If I had a role to play, then let me know. So then I can deal with that and not leave it as something that's still left to come shoot back up later on in my life. But then we can go ahead and you and I, God can deal with this. We can do the mending and, you know, you can fix what's in my heart or, you know, my emotions concerning it. And then we can get on down the road. Um, when God, Oh, go ahead. Dean. I would just, um, I think I would, I'd like to try to clarify what you just said in that only in that um, don't go rummaging around in the trash of your past. So, <laughs> prayerfully consider what God wants you to see, mm-hmm. what God may have you repent from, what um, um, restoration he may be calling mm-hmm. you to in that um, maybe you need to offer someone forgiveness um, mm-hmm. in, in what has happened, but don't go rummaging around in the trash of your past in your own emotions. 
Oh no! Yeah. this is a very del- you know the, it this is. is a very delicate place. It's easy to take this and look at this and go, <laughs> something's wrong with me um, because of where I am and what Paul is saying here. Mm. And and I don't think Paul's saying that at all. He's just saying, hey, this would be this be really good if it was this way. And I, and I think this is how God would have it be. But he's never going to change the fact that what's covered. Because remember who the author is here. The author was known as Saul. And what has been covered by grace in him. And let's look at David. And let's look at all the other would-be saints and their failures and their failings and all the things and the sin and all that God has dealt with in their life. And he can do the same thing with you. So I just... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it going back into that past, just for the sake of rummaging around to see... But but people can easily do that because it's very comfortable to do that. And it's just not what's being said here. Oh, absolutely not. Like, we don't live in the past of our sin as though we're keeping it alive and you take it out and sniff it every day and, you know, cry over it all over again. That's not at all what I'm saying. Thank you for clarifying that, Dean. Um, When I say, when you sit down with God and look at what how you open the door for something. Um, it's easy, especially I'm talking as a woman. When you go through a situation that's hard, like divorce is compared to death um, and how it's experienced emotionally. And because it's a tearing apart of what was one, you literally have to ruin one or both pieces to get them apart after they've become one. You have to break them. And for the, the married person, it, it, it does experience, it's experienced almost like death feeling like someone just died and you're mourning that loss and all of those things. And it's so easy to go, I'm the victim. It's their fault. I'm here. They did this to me. They made me do this, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I say go back with the Lord, I didn't say go back with yourself and throw a pity party because that's not godly. If you have the sense to pity yourself, you're wrong. You're not hearing from the Lord on that. Get out of there and you cast that away in the name of Jesus and come on over to the light of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus wants to do is go, hey, this was sin. If you feel like someone wronged you, okay, well, let's let's actually go look at what happened. I'm saying with the Lord, not your picture of what you thought you wanted it to be, but being honest, that only comes from Jesus Christ. So like from from my example, um, you know, God love the spouse that I had before and God bless him but the person did not love me and it didn't matter what I did. It was, it was just not there. And I find no fault with him. I, however, when I, after I got the tears out of my eyes and the sorrow that I felt and rejection and all of those things, God was still knocking on the door of Kamisha's heart to go, come here. Let me talk to you, young woman. Let me tell you why you're in this place. And I had to let him take me to see what he saw in judging the situation. So that way I can hear him when he's talking to me, Today, I can hear clearly without wound in my ears, without sorrow in my heart and my soul, without um, pitying myself. Or callous or anything else. Anger. I could forgive to go if, and when I look at it and I go, oh, Kamisha, this was actually your fault because you heard God tell you no. You heard him say no to you, ma'am, but you said, I'm going to do it anyway. So the hurt that I experienced was truly at my own hand. So I have no reason to find fault with my former spouse. And if I can come to that place, not only do I silence and take away the opportunity for me to fall in that place again, because now I've identified it. I know what you are. 
So who needs to hear? This one right here. Kamisha Ann needs to hear what God is saying. Who needs to hear in your life? You need to hear what God is saying. And the weak place that was there with my disobedience, because I let God talk to me about it, I was able to sure that up and take that away. And you, my children know me today. How do I feel about being disobedient to the Lord? You hate it. I hate it. I will not allow that in my life because I know what it cost me. So examining yourself with Jesus Christ at the helm is far cry different than rummaging through your past. Like you said, Dean, or rehearsing pains in your head and wounds and all that. And poor me playing that little violin wee, 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 and blaming other people. But it's about taking your personal accountability and if God says, okay, and what some, there are things that happen that are outside of your control. I understand that. We are children at some point in our lives. I understand that. And even when he goes, let me talk to you about this. Whenever he examines something with you and he goes, now let that go. I need you to put that under the blood of Jesus. Even if you were completely innocent, you come out clean when you let him make whole in you what was once broken. That's for your benefit. Dean, you, you have that joke, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expoking, expecting the other person to die or suffer from it. God wants you whole at all times so you can go on and do what he wants you to do. And you can have the life he wants you to have. You can rejoice and have the joy that he's already provided for you to enjoy. But he's not a close your eyes kind of God. He's not an ostrich with your head in the sand kind of God. So those are. They sound similar, but two totally different experiences before Jesus Christ. And so, you know, when anything in life, if we fall, we find ourselves falling short of the glory of God, don't just close your eyes to it. Take the forgiveness that God gave you. Stand up and don't be condemned because there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen. Who walk according to what he says to walk and they don't walk in their flesh, but they walk according to the spirit. Mm -hmm. Don't hold your, hang your head down about it. Bring it to the most high God. Understand your place in him that there's, he's not condemning you. He's not trying to throw you in hell. He's not throwing anybody in hell, but instead he's going, here I am. I love you. And because I love you, the only way for us to walk together is for us to be honest with each other. I can't lie to God and think I'm going to end up, getting that standing ovation that I want when I go to heaven. I can't fool the Lord either. Right? I can't because but, he knows. So I want, I want to say this, right? And um, just as, even as it pertains to our own marriage, because right? you brought this up, honey, and I want to uh, expound on some things. Each of us individually is responsible for hearing the Lord for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Look all the way even back to the garden. What was the Lord's issue with Adam? He listened to his wife instead of listening to the Lord. Right? First and foremost, we have the obligation, if you will. It shouldn't be an obligation. It should just be obedience because we love the Lord. Right? We that we pleasure. It, it, <laughs> yes, it is for those that that that's their choice. Uh, my included. Right? It is a pleasure to hear to be in communion and fellowship with the Lord to hear what He is speaking and saying to me. Right? So that it first starts with me. I have to be submitted, I'll say humble and submitted to the Lord and allow Him to be Lord and Savior of my life in all things, every area and aspect of my life. But especially as it pertains to marriage, right? It, but it first starts with me. 
and in anything. Bring everything to the Lord. Right? Whether Kamisha and I are, are talking about whatever, we're also checking with the Lord, even in the moment. Not that we don't trust each other, but our obligation is first to the Lord. Right, I got to say that to clarify, right? Because sometimes it's, right, we, we are our first, I'll say, relationship should be with the Lord. And then as a result of that love that he has and that he pours in and through us, then we can share that. It's not about not trusting, but it's about, Lord, is that exactly correct, right? I don't want not one degree, not one percentage, not a partial percentage of inaccuracy. I want to hear the Lord so clearly, just like Jesus did. And I think we can all have that if we truly desire it and are willing to submit, all right? But then also, as you pointed out, what is, oh, oh, sorry, I'll say it in this way. The Lord is the one that chose the spouse, right? He chose Adam's. Mm-hmm. You see him che- chose Isaac's. And you see that countless times that the Lord had the spouse for his servant, right? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying it. And and Dina, bring us up because right because this is a, a a delicate conversation for many. I'm not saying that if you chose your spouse that you are condemned or not condemning you, Mm-mm. right? But we know that whatever the Lord does is true, it's good, it's perfect, right? Yes. Okay. So the Lord always gives us His best. That's how I'll begin this. Always. It is always his best. Perfection, if you will. Now we have to choose to remain in that. And if we deviate, is is the Lord condemning us? No. No. No, there there may still be so there's you know, and honestly may be great people out there, right? But it, the spouse you're with, even if the Lord didn't choose it. It's still a gift from the Lord, right? The Word tells us that. Why we are saying, let the Lord choose your spouse. And I'll say it in this way first. I'm not saying go get divorced from your spouse. No. We're just going to address that direct and up front. We're not saying go get divorced if the Lord didn't choose your spouse. What we are saying is, let's teach our children a good and right way, right? Train them up how they should go. Mm -hmm. So we, as parents, should be teaching them to let the Lord pick their spouse. We should be praying for their spouse and for them already. And that when they're of the proper time and age, right, as the Lord reveals, that the Lord reveals the spouse. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that not a much better way to go about life, not even for you as a parent, but as for your children? It takes a, a lot of pressure and of every kind societal peer pressure, the whole gamut. It takes it right off the table. Just waiting on the Lord, allowing Him to have His way, which is how we should be conducting every aspect of our life, especially in this. So, any questions on that? Because I know there's a lot there. No questions. Okay. Anything else anyone wants to add? No. All right. All right. Well, then let's um let's pause there for today, and we will pick it up next time. Okay, because because uh, Paul does continue this this discussion.
um, in what he's saying. Right? Yes. Okay. Again, our obligation is first to the Lord. It should be our desire, our delight. And then it's also to our spouse, but to all our neighbors, right? To show them the love of God. The spouse he has given as a helpmate to, to help us walk together in his ways and, and the fullness and faithfulness that is due the Lord, that we owe the Lord, right? Yes. Okay. So with that, can I get someone to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. Lord, I just thank you for showing us the spouse you have for us and also just giving us wisdom and giving Paul wisdom so that he can share this wisdom with us so that we don't fall away. And Lord, just also thank you for healing us and not leaving us torn. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.